Welcome to episode 395 of The Sleeper and the Buzz. It's Sunday, October 2nd. The regular season is over, and I'm extremely sad. I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Yeah, we have 134 days until pitchers and catchers report. Um, uh, as I, I'm sorry, 135, thanks 135 to Joe Sheehan's tweet. Per Joe uh, Sheehan. Yes, 135 until pitchers and catchers report. Um, so, yeah, and Rays baseball is finally done. Thank you, God. Um, and that's gone. But now we get the good playoffs. We get the baseball uh, playoffs. I'm excited about that. I'm also excited because tomorrow, actually tonight is like Christmas Eve, because tomorrow is usually my favorite morning of the year because we start getting the I won my league title because I listened mm-hmm. to Eno, Paul, and Jason. Yes. I freaking – I love those tweets. I really do. They're the best. They're it's the, really, they make it's why It's why we do. Extremely good. Precisely. It's why we do what we do. Um, and I love those tweets. Uh, and need, we've already, need, some of those have started rolling in. I know you need them. <laughs> after, I uh, need <laughs> the listeners to come in with those because man. I had a brutal season. I, I, did not, I didn't do very well. I mean, well, I was I was just talking about your Tigers laying an egg against the uh, Braves this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, Braves pre- played brilliantly in the second half. Like it sucks to lose to them because they're the Braves. But I mean, I'm like, you say, oh, they lost to the Braves, and there's a connotation of, oh, wow, they lost to one of the worst teams in the league because they did have one of the worst records. But that's not the same team that they were no. in the second half. Tigers still need to come through against a guy like Aaron Blair, though, and you know fitting that a guy really liked coming into the year. I know. That's what I was going to bring up. <laughs> yeah. I, Actually, I really the other liked one. Blair. Yeah. And uh, you're going to talk about Tehran. Yes. Uh, but I liked Blair <laughs> as one of the rookies this year. He was complete and utter trash. Like, there's no two ways around that he was trash right. before uh, yesterday. An yep. 802 ERA and, and skills to kind of match. Like he really labored through this rookie season, goes out six innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts. Now, Julio Tehran, I expected a battle out of him because I've been beating that drum all year. Wasn't too surprised that he went out and, and pitched brilliantly today. Verlander gave all he had, first inning uh, run on a sack fly, and that was the only run in that game. You know, Tigers had opportunities, though, even in that game yesterday. When Aaron Blair was playing, pitching really well, they get into the bullpen, bases loaded, no outs. Miggy strikes out, uh, grounded double play for J.D. Martinez. I mean, you, you had your opportunities there. You got to come through. And so they just didn't come through. I don't, I don't think it's like a choke job. I don't think they suck or anything like that. It's, they just didn't win. You know, you go 2-14 and 14 against your chief competitor, the Cleveland Indians. You can kind of look to that too, right, instead of that harping on this, this series against Atlanta. Yeah, that that'll do it. Um, yeah, I was gonna break up the Tehran thing when he when I saw that he pitched the shutout today. I was like, uh, essentially the shutout. I was like, ouch. Um, he was awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, of course, that's a guy. You know, by the way, interesting that he and Gaussman both pitched today. And for those that don't know, we're talking about you know Chris Liss and I went back and forth on those two guys. I mean, I don't really know how to call that in terms of like if if we're trying to decide a winner. Both were great. Um, I, the the thing about that whole debate was that I love Kevin Gaussman, so it's not like I really wanted to be against him. It was just that I thought Tehran was better, and that he deserved to be picked ahead of him because he'd actually done things to kind of merit excitement about him. Whereas Gaussman was was still up until up until this year, and really up until the to, to the second half was a lot of hype. Yeah. Was a lot of was a lot of what if and and you know again I'll, I'll I'll draft guys like that I'm not I'm not against betting on potential but when you're when you're squaring up two different players 
and and you're looking at at who to go with, give me the guy in the NL who's done it before over the guy in the AL Beast who still has a home run issue and still had one this year. You know, imagine what his ERA could have been. Kevin Gaussman's ended up being a 361. Imagine what it could have been without a 1.4 homer per nine rate. You know. Yeah, I'm and still he, pretty excited about him for the future. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a step up. When we talked about Gossman in the past, we said, you know, let's see what he's going to do. The, the splits issue, we know that he's got the fastball and he's got the uh, the, the changeup. Yeah. You know, is the third or the, the whatever he wants to call it is, is a changeup. It looks to me like it's more of a uh, Alex Cobb pitch. Uh, but if you know, how is he going to progress? He definitely looked good. I mean, if we think back to a couple of years ago of the Bundy versus Gossman debate, I think that debate's over. Yeah, although yeah. You know, hats off to Bundy for his season. Remember, yes. flashback to April when we we're talking about him, and and the big question about Bundy, the real, the real conundrum that they were in was that they couldn't put him back in the minors. Right, he would have had to clear through waivers, which of course he never would have, and so they had to figure out a way to get him innings, get him enough to where you're not just one out or one inning here, one inning there, while also you know preserving your competition because they were a competitive competitive team all season they they were always going uh for the playoffs so you couldn't just give them mop-up innings and then they wasn't looking like he was going to start this year and then he transitions into the rotation it ends up being a pretty key part for them in the in the midsummer there now down the stretch he had a few bad starts yeah, he was actually kind of hit or miss. It was real. It honestly, if you look over his last since about August twelfth, uh, his earned runs one five two five zero five three five one. So it was an every other start sort of deal uh, where he was where he was giving them good innings. But you know, one hundred nine pretty solid innings for him this year. I think the hype is built back up for Dylan Bundy when coming into this year. I mean, it, it couldn't be much lower. So they've actually got some things working now with their rotation, which has been the weakness of this Baltimore Orioles team, at least if they don't end up winning in Toronto or even if they're bounced. You know, however their playoffs go this right. year, they've got some things to actually build on um, because it's not there's not a ton coming in the in the, in, in no. the system. No, no, that, that system is rather bare. But I mean, both guys definitely took a step up this year. I, I still think. I, I, Gaussman's the one I want long term. Gaussman's but still for me. Absolutely. Yeah, still a long term guy. Uh, but you know, Bundy. You know, honestly, if Britain wasn't in the picture, I still think that that's where his future is going to be eventually, and he could be damn good back there too. Uh, yeah, as a reliever, Bundy, Bundy, I think would be elite <laughs> if he can't figure out how to be a long term starter. But I, they're not going to give up on him as a starter. Nope. I think they got something there uh, with he and Gaussman. We'll see if they resign Tillman. Yeah, circling. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say circling back to the other issue. You know. Um, Fantasy wise, you were saying you didn't have a good year. Um, yeah, I'm just say, happy talk- I get to, I get to bring some money home this year. Yeah, let's talk some leagues here. We, I know you had a pretty solid. I won one, um, but then you know multiple last place finishes. Got ravaged by some injuries. Got ravaged by some bad picks too. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and make a bunch of excuses. I made some bad picks. I had some some guys that I was really in on this year that did not come through for me. You know Matt Harvey probably being chief among them. He's a guy I slotted as the number three starter this year overall. And, you know, obviously, even when he was pitching, take out the injury, although I don't know how much you can completely take it out because it, it was probably affecting him even when he was fa- failing. But th- the fact of it is, it was a busted pick. But even the 92 and two-thirds innings that he pitched were poor. And then, of course, he was out. Um, yeah, just had some misses. Had some hits, too. And hopefully those hits helped, helped y'all uh, in, in, your, in your titles. You had two titles? 
No, I had zero titles. But um, money finishes. But money finishes. I, I finished second place in that, that 12-team NL expand that I joined as an expansion team this mm-hmm. year. Uh, I finished second place. A distant first, uh, distant uh, behind the first, who pretty much dominated wire to wire. Um, but we, uh, I finished second, so I was able to bring home some cash, uh, which will be nice to spend on the family this year. And uh, I finished fifth in my AL Home League, which gives me the top reserve pick uh, for next year uh, coming into the draft. So I get to uh, hope that uh, some some prospect that's not already claimed um, is going to be available for me to choose. So that'll be a nice uh, uh, nice windfall. The the other leagues uh, not so much. Um, it, you know, we, we didn't do well in labor, um, and I finished uh, next to last in AL Tout this year. But yeah, then let's, looking let's at then looking labor. at there looking at the AL, uh, you know, seeing that Tristan Cockroft finished next to last in the NL labor uh, NL Tout, and then. Uh, uh, somebody else who DVR, normally does, a... yeah, DVR finished last in his. So I'm like, okay, guys that have been the champs the last couple of years. Yeah, we're not clowning that them, year. So I'm like, it, okay, good. It It'll feel so bad. Feel better because they, yeah, they're no, so feel, good. Man, I felt when I looked at this, you know, a lot of the swings and misses I've made on you know Lorenzo Kane uh, and Byung Ho Kim and, and things like that that I made plays on that didn't work out. And I look yeah, at this like a park. Sorry. Um, Cam swing and miss, you know. Um, so it, it's the just the everything there is just like ah, so mad. It, um, it, it, it's 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 frustrating, right? Because now we get to look back and say, oh, if I'd have just done this one thing, or or if I'd done that, um, you know, we didn't have a good year in 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 labor mix. We finished thirteenth. I think we ran into a lot of offensive problems. Um, it was offensive, kind of all right. <laughs> What's that? It was offensive, all right. Yeah, it was absolutely offensive. You know, we had some good picks for sure. Um, you know, he didn't probably pan out to the level that we wanted, but Carlos Correa is our first pick. I really don't feel bad about it all. We ended up getting really stocked in the middle infield, which, which you know, there were some question marks about it. I don't regret that at all. Francisco Lindor was somebody that folks uh, wanted to try to get from us before the season even started. We we balked on that. We weren't interested. We just went ahead and stuck with Correa, Addison Russell, Jung Ho Gung, and, and Francisco Lindor. And, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But the outfield was, was a disaster outside of like a Steven Piscotti or an Odebel Herrera. You know, we got Lorenzo Cain, Yasiel Puig. Uh, Brandon Moss was so hot and cold. You know, we had Pedro Alvarez at first base after we traded Edwin Encarnacion. Um, you know, probably shouldn't have done that. But we were trying to get Lorenzo Cain because we needed some speed. That was a situation. That, the one thing, and I liked Lorenzo Cain. I wasn't as high as you, but but I was right there in you know supporting the idea that this was a guy that you wanted to get my only concern was exactly what came to fruition which was injury based on the way he plays right i was worried that lorenzo kane would be susceptible to injuries and that's exactly what happened and uh, you look at the skills though i'm still okay with the skills and it's still a guy that i'd be willing to take the discount on now next year right his price raised up big time after 15 coming into this year i think it's going to go back down coming in uh, to next year and that's still a guy i'd be willing to put in as like an outfield three or outfield four depending on my team construct the only problem is is with all the power that's out there now you know his even if he gets back to the 16 that he had in 2015 that's not really making the grade based on all these guys that are hitting 20 plus um the home run it was the year of the home run for sure and and to the point that it was beyond Jason, uh, the steroid era, the, the juice ball era, whatever you want to call that, like in terms double, of double. Uh, no, run sorry, hitters. yeah, we doubled the twenty number of twenty home run hitters. Uh, ended up being double what it was last year. That's insane. 
I, mean, I don't know. We'll see the final number tomorrow because um, we don't have the the actual stats. But I want to say when I saw a number a few days ago before I drove over for a football weekend uh, with some friends um, that it was up to a hundred. Somebody somebody had hit their, there were like three three guys that had hit their twentieth home run. Yeah, um, and that and then the other thing that kind of flew under the radar was. Um, you know, relievers with a hundred strikeout, hundred plus. We had ten uh, going into the week. We had ten relievers strike out at least a hundred guys this year, and that's full time relievers. Oh yeah, Brad Hand, um, O did it. Uh, Batances, Miller, obviously. But we yeah. had there were ten plus guy, uh, at least ten guys relievers that struck Jan- out. Uh, yeah, that struck out a hundred plus. Ten relievers. That's filthy, and that's awesome. Um, it, it was it was a really interesting season. It is going to be fun to kind of break it all down. In the coming weeks, this episode, we're really just going to be kind of talking through um, how some of the expert leagues went, uh, mm-hmm. industry leagues, if you want to call them. I know some people are uncomfortable with the term expert, mainly the folks that are in them. They don't, they're like, we don't want to be, we're not trying to be called that. So we'll just call them industry leagues. Let's, we, we talked about labor mixed. Um, the, the title did go to Todd Zola. Banner year for Mr. Zola. Because uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hit on it more in a second, but he also won Tout National League. Yes. So du- doubling up on two industry leagues—that's that's really nice there for Todd. So big ups to him. Fitting that the year, you know, it's not that he hasn't had success before, but the year that he, he like is full his first full time year in baseball of of the, this is his job. Actually, maybe last year was the first. This might have been the second. Either way committed 100% not having a day job so to speak and goes out and wins two industry leagues I mean that's that's pretty huge Todd's the man always love listening to him when first off I get uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to podcast with him over at Rotowire but listening to him with Patrick Davitt I love those conversations and his Z Files piece at Rotowire always learning stuff like just the way he thinks about the game always makes me think more critically about things too I really really love that and correct me if I'm wrong he he's working on a book now too isn't he is he? Didn't I read there I was something? I think he hinted at it on Twitter that he was going to be working on some kind of book. Like, you know, obviously Larry Schechter um, had his winning fantasy baseball book uh, a couple of years ago, but I thought I saw something that Todd was going to be working on a book. That rings familiar, but I don't have full details. So I'm, I'm going to If play not, it he should here. be. Because, I, he mean, should, I mean, he could. He absolutely could be. Um, again, we say this about he, everybody. We say this about everybody in the industry, but they're all great guys. But he's he's like, there's a reason why he's called Lord Zola because he's uh, he's royalty. He's, he's, I mean, just the way, he, like, you don't even have to agree with everything. And you never will. You're never going to agree with something. Or you're never going to agree with uh, any industry people 100%. It's right. It's just the guys that you like. But his process, and like I said, the way he thinks critically and, and, and makes me you know, just by listening to him, I want to think more critically and, and think about different things. It puts me on different trains of thought, and that's what I've always enjoyed. So big ups to Todd, big season there. Uh, Tout NL, labor mixed. Seth Trackman won your AL Tout League. You said you finished second to last. Sorry about that. It's a tough season hey, there. If I'm, gonna, if I'm not going to win it, at least the guy who shares my birthday can win it. There you go. So, there you go, and um, you know I don't I, I can't pretend to remember what we thought of Seth's draft when we when we talked about about that league. Well, I can a you know, little the, bit remember. Remember he dropped the forty three on Jose Altuve, and we were like, "What? That's, that's, that's nuts. right. That's right." And you know the the one thing I liked about Altuve though, and remember we talked about maybe taking him with in in labor mix, but we thought our pick was too early, and and yeah. You know where he was going later in the first round, and obviously now hindsight, of course, we could have easily taken him there, and it wouldn't have been a problem at all. But um, you know, the one thing I, I did like 
was that I thought that he, at least the 15 homer power that he had shown last year, I thought that was at least going to stick. And so when you're getting that with the great batting average and speed and expecting Houston to be a quality team, I, I thought we'd see runs in RBI uh, career highs. And we absolutely did. Like Altuve is not a complete surprise to me. It's just I, the, the real surprise with that price that he paid is I just didn't think he would have to. It was surprising to me that the, that the league kind of made him pay that. But then you get 24 homers, 30 stolen bases, 338 average leads the uh, American League. Uh, 108 runs and 96 ribbies. What an amazing season for Altuve. Where do you think you're ready to take him next year? In the top five. I think I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago where you had asked me to rank the top five. No, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Patrick Davitt and I did. We ta- I think we talked about who's your top five for next year, and Altuve was in my top five. Um, I, believe, I believe I put him fifth on that, so I'm not going to change my stance. He's still in my top five. I had him fourth or fifth, and, and that's where I'm, I'm keeping him. I mean, he won. He got the hitch title again. He got the batting average title uh, again this year. He's still producing. Somebody did ask us on Twitter, I think, a week or two ago, um, are, are we concerned that he Let's stopped speak. running in the second half? Yeah. Most of the league has stopped running in the second half. That, yeah, it's that, just the way true. it is. Uh, the, so. the, there's something to that. I will say that seems to be a trend, though, not just this year. I'm saying in, in general where a lot of times you, you see guys that aren't the well, he is a pure burner, but he's also kind of evolved, uh, Jose Altuve has, into that middle-of-the-order threat. He spent 97 games now at uh, batting third. Even with some of the guys that we saw last year kind of run maybe for the first time uh, on a higher level, a lot of them did it early and then slowed down. I'm thinking of some of those first basemen that had some good stolen base totals like a uh, uh, Joey Votto and Anthony Rizzo. Now, they're a different player type. I totally get that. But that does seem to be something of kind of how it works, where there are more stolen bases in the first half, and then guys maybe kind of – and I, it makes sense, though, right? Intu- intuitively, you would think that, okay, they start to get nicked a little bit more. It, it's an elective thing. I mean, the, the, the biggest, the biggest disaster there was Manny Machado going from 20 to zero. Yes. Did not even get one. Did That's he even attempt me, one? Did he, even attempt, did he even attempt one? 0 for 3. Wow. 0 for 3. And he played 156 games, 692 plate appearances, so I don't think he was nicked. It just wasn't a priority, or I, I don't know. Like That's the thing. We don't really know. And so outside of – and, and to, to the point about the early thing, 0 for 2 in April, 0 for 1 in May, didn't even try from June on. And the crazy thing, when you, when you step back and look at that whole situation, I mean, normally you're like, okay, manager changed. But no, it's still Buck Showalter. For them to completely yeah. – Put the red light on everybody, and, and and then go go back to the Earl Weaver style of baseball. Just get on base, we'll hit a three run home run. Um, it's just, it's crazy, and these this is this is one of the the other things in 2016. That's why you know, despite your team not making the playoffs and my team being a steaming pile of crap uh, from June on, this is what was one of the fun things about the season for me is there was so much what the f moments this season. You know, the Baltimore doing that, the home runs, the strikeouts. Well, yeah, because the league. Uh, so much right? crazy stuff this year. I mean, we 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 were in this era uh, of high pitching, low runs, and and you know 
all offense was just like so precious to to this offensive explosion via the home run. You know, they they Orioles hit 217 homers last year, finished third. This year they paced the league before today. I know that I know Matt Weeders hit a couple, but it doesn't matter. No one was going to catch them. 251 before Sunday, paced the league easily. Cardinals were second at 224 unless the Mariners passed them, but again, doesn't matter. They had a huge lead. So why why run, right? Because they can't afford to give those outs. They needed every run they could get because they knew that their pitching was was so suspect. And, and maybe that's the, the calculus that, that Buck Showalter did where he said, can't have it, Manny. Sorry, we know that you're pretty good in, in you know, a capable enough runner to, to, to get some bags, but at, but to what end? Because he was 20 for 28 last year, 71.4%. That's just below the cutoff. And in fact, I think Eno was saying the other day that the cutoff's even higher now because they're more rare. So you almost have to be at like a 75% clip to break even, mathematically speaking. So mm-hmm. the fact that Manny was at 71%, it just wasn't there for them, and they didn't figure that that was that was worthwhile. If you're not looking at it right now, um, let me have you guess how many stolen bases the Orioles had. Um, I, I, it's under the drinking age. It's one twenty, isn't it? it? It's nineteen. Nineteen. Good, yeah, I knew it was job. under the. I knew it was under the drinking age. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <sighs> Second lowest. It was my age, thirty five. Well, I'll be thirty five in three weeks, but crazy. That is nuts. That is absolutely nuts. Do you know who had the most? Who had the most? Um, As a team? No. They also had the leader, if that helps you. The Reds? No. Um, oh, yeah, because you think of Billy Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe Billy Hamilton did lead. I thought VR did. It was the Brewers. And, but the, and that's kind of crazy because this is not the – and they won by – wow, they won by quite a bit. Um, yeah, Reds were second. The um, With the Brewers, this isn't the first time. Remember back in the Ron Renneke days when these guys used mm-hmm. to run nuts? Um, yep. And God, why am, oh, this is well, Craig Council. The, you know, he's more of an analytical guy. I mean, I'm trying to think. You know, what what they did. Um, God, everybody ran I mean, on that team. It, it might have just been a, a a personnel situation, right? You see VR running wild. You got somebody like Ernan Perez who kind of comes out of nowhere and pops 34 stolen bases. Keon Broxton speeds his game. He's got a little bit of punch, but he gets 23 in 75 games. And then beyond that, it was more of 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 the the knickknack. I mean. 61 came from VR, so that was a big deal. Uh, Braun, 16, he was the only other double digit besides those three that I named. So I think it was just happenstance, really, that VR broke out. Hernan Perez came out of literally nowhere. Nobody would have expected this for him to go 13 homers, 34 stolen bases, and, and play for 425 plate appearances. And then, like I said, Brox, maybe, maybe you would have put Broxton down for 34, so you say, uh, you know, Coming into the season, you might have said 40 from VR if you thought he was going to stay. Because a lot of people thought he was at like a two-week placeholder for Arcia, right. which was interesting to me. It's not like I went out and got VR a bunch of places. I'm not trying to say that. But it was interesting to me that everyone just assumed that Arcia was going to just rip that job from a 25-year-old who would actually done some things in the past. And what was most interesting about them acquiring him is that David Stearns comes from Houston. So you had to yes. figure that he, he liked VR uh, based on something they'd probably seen with him in Houston, brings him, inserts him into that into that role there, and he was brilliant. Where do you think you're taking a VR next year after a 19 homer, 61 stolen base, 284, uh, 284, 284 batting average sort of season with 92 runs and 173 strikeouts? Um, that time strikeout really, damage is really, really tough profile. to overlook. It really is to over tough, uh, tough to overlook. By the way, the other thing with the Brewers team stolen base percentage, 76 percent. 
even wow. with even with all that, they were caught 55 times in 170, whatever it was. I did this 76.4% was their success rate uh, for that. So, I mean, with, with VR, obviously it's going to matter how much – you know what he can do to keep the the ball safely in play uh, when he does, sure. but he's got the speed for that. It's just the strikeouts. The strikeouts are tremendous. Uh, but his when we look at him over the last couple of years, it's kind of been weird. If you if you want to get something as just as simple as batting average on balls in play for him. 362, 271, 360, 270. Now you tell me which one's the outlier. Or 370, sorry. So we've yeah, got but- we've got a we've got a body of work that says a 346 batting average on balls in play, and we have one season that he's been below 360 with his batting average on balls season. in play. And that, yeah, that was the 2000 uh, for the sophomore slump year for him. Yeah, but the strikeouts. Yeah, and, and the strikeouts have have been there for him the whole time this year. He walked more. He had a double digit walk rate for the first time in three seasons. So mm-hmm. if we just want to get down to elementary stuff down to that level and forget looking at the, the quality of the contact that he's making, obviously as long as he's got the wheels to do this, this stuff can work. I mean, the risk is going to be uh, you know, as long as that stuff doesn't collapse on him like it collapsed on him in 2014 but we're looking at 700 and almost 800 plate appearances and he is where he is I mean, his his numbers his numbers were pretty much in line with one what he did in 2005 what he did this year and last year his triple slash line is almost right the same amount almost identical a little bit more punched probably that accounts for the league jumping up in power and you talk about that 2014 for vr 289 plate appearances so he didn't really get a chance to kind of come out of it right you know i'm sure they looked elsewhere he's a 23 year old who didn't have a big track record they started to move elsewhere because he just wasn't he wasn't getting the results that's one of those things that snowballs on you early uh, and you don't get a chance to come out of a 271 babbit even though his speed i think puts him i'd probably put him at a base of you know like 330 and I know his career average is 346, so that's even probably low. But I think that you're at least getting like a 255, 260 average on the low end, which should be enough to get plenty of stolen bases. Now, I think the, the, there's enough punch for double digits uh, in the homers. If you think this team can improve a little bit, maybe he scores 100 runs. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, 100 runs would require kind of repeating this year with the team improving. But I, I don't know. I think this is a really good player that I'm – I'm willing to take pretty early. I took him second, uh, second round in the mock draft that I did with the in this league guys. You know that was. It's probably not where I would always take him. That was more of probably more of like a hey a, a statement of like look the, this VR season was great, but I don't think I'm taking him any later than the third. I'm really not. Or, or, or if the case, if that's the case, I don't think you're going to get him. I think he's going to be uh, at least a third round ADP sort of guy. What do you think about VR's? average draft position yeah i think he's going to be there too i mean if we think back this time last year we were talking about how uh you know power is becoming scarce go get power and then everybody drafted power this year and all of a sudden power is plentiful um that's not going to happen with stolen bases so we can sit here and talk about stolen bases are going to be scarce you know go get your speed and all of a sudden the league is going to turn around what an eight-year trend now of running fewer times when you look at the way it's not not turning around so these guys that are out there running like this you know Perez is going to get drafted because of the speed Keon Broxton uh, VR Hamilton these guys are going to be drafted a little higher than you're probably comfortable drafting these the speedster types at least VR has got some pop too Um, but speed's going to be at a premium because that's not going to suddenly stop 
and spike up. There's nobody, if, if I'm looking, I think off the top of my head, who's coming up that's going to start stealing 40 bases? Maybe if, if Byron Buxton figures out how to get on base on a consistent basis, maybe yeah. that happens. I mean, Full it, season it, of Trey Turner. Yes, those but, kind of things. But we, you know, we've got what, 20 down. something out of those. You're right. So that's, that's, that's not going to change. So this, you know, I think we could comfortably talk about, hey, go get, go get some speed because that's, it's going to run out. Um, it, and it really is. And, I think it's going to put a big premium on VR, Billy Hamilton, Starling Marte, and like a Gene Segura as well, a guy that I've been suspect and that's, on. In and the that's past. a funny thing. VR never happens if if Segura is not traded to the Diamondbacks. That's true, and maybe that's why they felt that they could move on from it because they had nearly identical seasons, really, really excellent seasons for both of those guys. Um, D. Gordon not going to go anywhere. He still swiped twenty nine in seventy eight games. Um, I know that you know the PED thing was there, and, and it wasn't it wasn't a great season, especially for where you had to draft him. But you better believe that his draft stock is not going to take that big of a hit because uh, because that speed is so good. Now that's where that situation that uh, Eno and I were talking about, where the power surge doesn't put power at a premium, but it puts the requirements that you need out of each power position or at, at the power requirements that you need out of each roster slot that it raises that bar if you want to stay competitive which actually hurts a d gordon Mm -hmm. and i think makes me want a vr or a segura even more than them or a trey turner who popped 13 homers in 72 games i'm not sure you can extrapolate that but even if i only get 13 on the full season from trey turner with 45 stolen bases or something i'm completely fine with that right it's just that one or two that you get from a gerard dyson or from a billy hamilton or from a d gordon that i think is is rough i, I really i don't like those types of players they really uh i think they alter your draft and they make you have to chase different things and i don't like that so i was I, i'm still going to kind of avoid those guys and the old venerable rajay davis 12 homers, 43 stolen bases, only hit 251, but for what you paid for him and what you're going to pay next year, his price is not going to go up. It never goes up. It never does. It never never goes up. It's not going to go up at age 36. He's going to be a part-timer somewhere, but you better believe I'm still going to be looking at him because even before the 12 this year, which was a career high, he would always give me the six, the eight, you know, a little something. It's better than that damn one, and that one – it, 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 I don't know. It just kills me. I hate it. And so, uh, you know, I'll even be looking at somebody like a Rajay as a, as a fifth outfielder type. Yeah, the, the value never changes. It's always there for him, and uh, it's just kind of He's funny. Like one peer. It's it's just sitting there. I, but let's not forget that D. Gordon's one home run was better than anybody else's this year. It was arguably the best moment in, in the entire season. And in a season filled with amazing moments, it was an absolutely brilliant moment. Um, let's talk about some more of these. Let's give out some more accolades here for these teams that won. Tout. So I mentioned Todd Zola won the NL. Seth Trackman, AL. Zach Steinhorn won the mixed auction, which is the standard um, of that AL and NL. Then there was the mixed draft that Adam Ronis won for back-to-back. Nice work there, Adam Ronis. And then our very own Jeff Zimmerman won the initial season of the mixed head-to-head league, ousting none other than myself. Well, that makes it sound like I was in the final. He just beat me. I was also in the league. <laughs> well, hey, and here's the thing. Because we, we didn't, we haven't gotten to this yet because uh, when we get back to talking about my um, my home league, some of the things. But understand, Jeff won that 
on Kristen Yelich's final at bat today. Yelich got That's on base. Nice. Jeff won the league. If Yelich doesn't get on base, then um, uh, Patrick David, I think, would have been uh, somebody else. But that Jeff made a tweet. And it was like, if Yelich gets on base, I win. If he doesn't, the other person does. And he tweeted, I love you. Christian Yelich. Uh, so yeah, that's how he won. Came down to the final day, and whatever Yelich did today to get on base, that got Jeff the title. Hey, Christian Yelich is a beast, and some people say he looks like a really cool guy. So that's true. I don't know. Just put glasses but, on him, and that, hey, it used to be my background uh, on Twitter, but now I put uh, Jose Fernandez's strikeout rate up there. Um, that's not, that's not safe for work, though. That's true. It really isn't. Thankfully, I work from home. But anybody that's going to my Twitter profile at your work, you better get one of those screen covers or something because the strikeout rate is just too sexy and you're going to get in trouble with HR. So be careful if you go to my Twitter.com page <laughs> uh, and see that header. It's, right. it's, it's filthy. and Because Thor's on there too. You got Thor and Fernandez's strikeout rates. Those are – it's too sexy. It's too, too sexy. Uh, let's talk labor winners. Once again, you mentioned he wrote a book. And if you, if you were skeptical on buying the book, he's got another title to talk about in it. Larry Schechter wins the AL. Very interesting race how that went down. He stormed this week to t- overtake Tristan Cockroft, but it was Tim Heaney who was doing the storming throughout the month of September who rallied to even get in that race. That ended up being a three-horse race there. Uh, that was really interesting stuff in AL Labor. So congrats to Larry. Then. It, it, is, that? it is cool. I mean, so Labor's hosted on rtsports.com. Um, you know, they have this awesome thing where you can look at a chart to see how guy over the whole scoring period, you can go and see where where things were. So in, in scoring period 24, Tim Heaney was at 74 and a half points and he closes out at 92 he got 18 points in the final two weeks of the season, uh, or final three periods of the season. That's absolutely st- closing it out. I mean, if you if you're that far behind, and I mean he, so if we look at back then, uh, back then Larry was first with 98 points, and then Steve Gardner, no, Tristan was 94, Steve Gardner was 90, and there's Tim at 74 and a half with three weeks out. Most of us were probably like, you know what? Nah, that's way too much to overcome. Maybe you put it in cruise control. You're like, whatever. It's like. I'm too far out. I'm fourth place, especially in labor where there's no money. It's first place or, or last place, pretty much. I mean, everybody else is like, oh, mm-hmm. you finished second in labor. But, you know, the only one that gets recognized is first place. Uh, he storms and, and comes half a point. Here's how here's how nuts this, this thing was. So Tim and Tristan Cockroft finished tied in runs. Just one more run for Tim. He wins the league. Um, Tim, I think it was Tim and Tristan, and then Larry. I think those four teams, all of them were uh, split them up. They were tied in home runs in two different pairs. If one of them hits another home run, that league changes. I mean, it came down to the final day, and if somebody scores, hits, if somebody hits a solo shot, league standings are different. That's how crazy. That's, that's how crazy that was. Um, so it, it matters. So when we talk about like, hey, why are you micromanaging your lineup at week one? Well, uh, you know, you, you try to ma- This is why you maximize your plate appearances. You maximize your innings pitched, or, or do different things. Uh, or if you're trying to, uh, if you got your lead in strikeouts, you're trying to protect your ratios, and you put relievers in there. Maybe they don't pitch the last week of the season. Good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want them messing up. Um, we'll get to more of that in a little bit. But this, you know, here's we had two expert leagues come down to the final innings of the games to decide who was going to win it and that's why this sport's so beautiful and you know to go back to todd again really quickly he always talks about how you can make movements in the categories that you don't think you can 
way deeper into the league, into the season than the, the common wisdom suggests. I'm talking mostly about ratios where, you know, some folks think, oh, you know, once again to August, I can't really move there. Don't give up. I, I think that's just the, it's an obvious point. I understand. And a lot of you listening, you aren't the type that gives up. But don't, just don't, just keep going. Think about all the crazy stuff, uh, all the crazy players that we saw just go off in, in these last couple of months. What if you held on to Justin Upton? You just didn't really want to give, give up on him. And all of a sudden, he, he was the best player for the last month plus of the season. But I, I'm not just saying uh, as like a nebulous thing. If you add it up, if you look at like, I, th- I think they did Homer's uh, OPS, wh- whatever it was on, on the telecast today, right. it was not like the advanced stats, but it was like four different categories where he was the number one guy in baseball for this set period that they looked at, like a six-week period. Yeah, he and, ha- he and, and Hanley were neck and neck right there. The last Hanley time we talked. was amazing. Matt Kemp. A guy who was probably available in some in some on some mixed league wires, shallower wires, because he was he was okay with with the Padres too. It's not like uh, he rose from complete depths, but he really got going with with uh, with Atlanta. He had a let's see, I'm looking at it right now, 774 OPS with 23 homers with the Padres. Okay, probably wasn't available. I, I'll take that back. That was uh, a bridge too far. But as a guy that you know, if you bought in on the whole thing about hey, I'm going to, to Atlanta. This was my childhood team. I'm really geeked about this he got going and he had a brilliant 55 games with them hit 12 more homers 284 average 866 ops uh trey turner obviously went ham travis jankowski went ham for like half of the second half that first half there where he was stealing everything i mean just think about all the stuff that we see in april and may and sometimes it obviously doesn't carry over to a to an entire season there are certain guys doing similar stuff in August and September. It gets a little bit clouded by maybe what they did before the season, uh, before that period, and so you maybe don't notice it as much. But I just I can't stress enough not to quit, especially if you're with anywhere within striking distance, like in the top five or six spots. If you go through your standings and you see where you can actually make some moves, don't think that everything is out of range. If okay, oh, 16 homers, I can't make that up. It's probably going to be tough to do it, but you don't know. And so you keep putting in your lineup. Don't slack. If it's a daily league, make sure you get those Mondays and Thursdays fixed for the off days and get as many at-bats as you can. Just don't quit. Because we, we're hearing, the, you talked about the tweets earlier. We're hearing all the stories of the guys. Oh, you know, thank you guys so much. Uh, I was down 14 points by mid-August. I didn't think I had a chance, and I stormed back. I yeah, really appreciate it. So I love those stories along with the, the, the congratulations sort of stuff. It, crazy stuff happens every year. It doesn't just have to be a head-to-head league where everything's kind of new each week, even in Roto Leagues. In fact, I think Roto Leagues actually produce the craziest stories, to be honest. Right. I mean, there's, there's stories all throughout. I'll give two before I start talking about local ones. The historical. There was one year I played fantasy basketball that I won the league on a single free throw. Free throw percentage, and wow. my guy hit it, and I won by that thousandth of a decimal point. When they had to strike, when CBS runs it out to that thousandth, I won wow. on the free throw. Um, my most painful fantasy memory was a fantasy football year um, when I had oh, actually I have three. Then fantasy football, I had Liddell Betts get tackled from behind, and he fumbled the ball out of the end zone. That minus two cost me the title. 
Ollie, yeah, if I he would have fallen down, football. he didn't score a touchdown. If he would have fallen down, I would have won by one. I scored when my favorite team, my favorite running back on my favorite team, fumbled the ball out of the end zone, and I lost on the turnover. And then in fantasy baseball one year, I, I skipped a business dinner because of one of those those game 163 play-ins where the stats count. One mm-hmm. of the guys on uh, that was going against me, his base runner was thrown out at home. And I won the league by half a point because if he would have scored the run, he would have tied me in the category and we would have flipped places in the standings. Wow. On the other end of that, by the way, think of folks who either in AL only or mixed leagues that had Tigers or Indians that, you know, think about the stars on those teams. (sighs) If they lost by the RBI or the Homer or the whatever um, and didn't get the 162nd game because the rain out on Thursday did not need to be made up uh, because – uh, I think it's because Toronto won and pushed Boston to have to go to Cleveland. But if, if Boston would have won, the Tigers would have had to play that game to see who was going to host that divisional series. So think about those guys. That, that's a what-if sort of scenario. But I'm sure there are some folks out there agonizing. Like, if I'd just gotten uh, you know, a two for five out of Francisco Lindor, I would have won my league. Or, or a Miggy RBI or whatever. I mean, both those teams have a lot of good players. So you can imagine that there are some scenarios out there where people are really bummed out. So in my, again, uh, in my, in my home AL league, we, have, we get to the, the – the, uh, there was a tie at the top, 81 and a half points between two different teams. Uh, and when you look at the final standings, uh, the, way that, the way the league's uh, decided is tiebreakers, who ha- who has the, who's ahead in most of the categories. So the, the league champion is, is being awarded because he is, he's ahead in six of the ten categories. Um, the guy he tied with – had he had one more strikeout, just one strikeout, he wins the league. And this week he had Tanaka in his lineup. Two-start week for Tanaka, oh but Tanaka didn't throw a single pitch this week oh because the forearm acted up and then they didn't use him this weekend because they were out of contention. One strikeout is the difference between the uh, between an outright league title and a tie. Uh, tie. Uh, you know, the other guy's getting the, getting the big share, but at least he goes down with a, with a, a co-champion thing like that and loses on a tiebreaker. One single strikeout is the difference. That in the is brutal. And you know, even if Tanaka would have only gotten the one start, he was going to get a strikeout. That's so crazy. I think football is probably the the, the most uh, rife with those that you hear the crazy stories about one yard here, one yard there. Oh, my quarterback knelt knelt down and and lost those two oh, yards. Dude, I've lost, heard those I stories before. By that. Um, and that's the head to head element of it all. But uh, I. It's great on both ends, though. Even the heartbreak stories, I know they, they suck, but it's it's why we play. It's fun to kind of get invested and have a great time with all of it. Um, let's talk – wait. I mentioned all three winners of labor, right? I don't think I did. Schechter AL. Yeah. Zola Mixed. Yep. That was our league. Derek Cardi NL. And Derek Cardi <laughs> smashed those fools. Remember, what kills me on the Derek one is, uh, you know, he goes on the radio – because uh, this was they, they do the Sirius XM, and he's telling. And if you know, if we mention the name Derek Cardi, you know anything about Derek Cardi? Your first two reply, your first two words could be Clayton Kershaw, because he yes. he will draft him. And then this year he was on the thing saying, "I'm drafting him," and I think I I called you or or uh, texted you because I'm listening to it in the car and the bids going up for Kershaw. And I'm like, keep throwing because Derek's going to buy him, because Derek pushing. Derek yes. value. He even says, "Look, I value him as a forty four dollar pitcher." 
and I think he got him he's for thirty-seven, and it. he got him for thirty-seven or thirty-eight. It's like okay, there's six, yep. there's six dollars. He's he's going to end up using somewhere else. So it's just one of these things. And he drafted all Dodgers. That was the beautiful thing. He drafted all of these Dodger pitchers you, on his you team. You know what's funny about that, by the way? He, not only did he draft all Dodgers, he bought Rich Hill when he came over, <laughs> and he and he did it in his in his reasoning because he said Yasmani Grandal was a superior pitch framer. Yep, and that was the whole thing. And, so. And, and hey, he got Kenta Maeda for twelve bucks. Kenta Maeda had an excellent season. Now it didn't work out with McCarthy uh, or Casimir. I think Casimir had some decent numbers when he pitched. I can't even recall. It, sometimes those guys that you don't have anywhere and you maybe didn't write about, they're just completely off your radar. Casimir's right. like that this year for me. I could not tell you word one about his season. If he had a four sixty four ERA or something like that, I'm sorry, but I, I thought he pitched all right to start the season. I really don't know. I guess I can look it up, but I'm I'm focused here on on his team. But he got like the whole rotation and uh you know obviously it worked out with kershaw and maeda and then he bought hill for 42 bucks in fab when he came over and yeah he didn't get a ton of innings but they were all really 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 good innings so um i like that reasoning and Derek, man anything that Derek cardi tells you you might not agree with it but you know there's backing he never just says ah i just like this guy in my gut and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I do that sometimes. I say I don't necessarily have a statistical back. You and I, I just both really like this guy. Derek Cardi's going to give you three, four reasons why he feels that this guy is the guy you should be invested in, and that's probably why he won by 12 points. Okay, so let's recap something here real quick. So we've got Todd winning in two leagues. We've got Larry winning one. We have um, uh, Goose winning one. We have uh, the Goose. My point is, every single league champ this year is a full time person in the fantasy world. See, last like year my theory, league. last year my theory got blown out a little bit when, when Gianella uh, was able to win labor because I was like, I had always maintained, and he actually, he and I were on the same page with this. It's like if you're not a full time person in the fantasy world, it's really tough to to be successful year in and year out, and that's it. you know my schedule is obviously stupid uh it with my travel and everything i i just don't you travel yeah just a little um i just don't have the time to 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 throw at it. i mean i'm only doing this podcast once a week sometimes you know once every other week it depends on what the way things are because i've had to travel the last the last two sundays um yeah all, all those types of things so i always had this theory that you had to be a full-time you, you you have a better chance of winning these leagues if you are full-time in the industry because it's what you do on a daily basis yes i watch mm-hmm. baseball on a daily basis yes i look numbers on a daily basis but it is a smaller part of my day than it is anybody else's and that's not an excuse it's just what i believe um, but that's why the you know you, you've got so many people to listen to them uh, with opinions, and that's why we read and and do everything along those lines. So it's it's back to my theory of okay, I've got to do a, a lot more work this off season to keep up with the rest of these guys because I'm I'm tired of not having that league title. It seems like everybody else has got one. But the good news is is now that you are a full time person, I like your odds next year. I bet yeah, I better win at this point. <laughs> I mean, I better get it going. Do you have any takeaways? Just one, if you have it, from the season that that you're gonna that you're gonna be looking to put into your uh, into your work for next year. Like any, anything that you're like, okay, I gotta I gotta start looking at that uh, differently. Is there is there anything that you have specifically that jumps out to you? And I'll give you mine while, while you think about it. And this was something that I I did a little bit this year, but I'm even gonna do more. And I think I mentioned it a few times. I thought a lot more about the season as a six-month thing instead of getting so focused on who's on the opening day roster. And in the past, I just get way too focused on, okay, he's starting. 
he's 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 on the opening day roster so i guess i'll go with that guy even though i know okay there's a guy behind him who is better he's not there yet he's going to be up eventually though and so i i've just kind of took taken a wider scope and obviously not every league's going to allow you to do that because if you don't have reserve spots then then you, you can't just get four or five guys that aren't going to play until may 1st but i do think that if we once you start thinking about it as more of the six month thing instead of just what's happening in spring, uh, it's certainly going to help you. And I know there's a tough part of like how long do you wait for certain guys? Like you know, Gary Sanchez didn't really do anything until the end, uh, but he was amazing. I'm not really talking necessarily about that uh, about him specifically, but even even a gamble like that, at least you're taking the gamble on the talent. So for me, it's 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 a general thing, and it's probably pretty obvious to a lot of folks. But I, I would get too focused on oh, this guy's on the opening day roster, so I'll get him. I'm just taking the wider scope now, and I think I'm going to do it even – I dip my toe into doing that this year, but it's going to be even a bigger focus next year and not get too – and I'm, not, I'm talking less about um, injured guys because, as you've pointed out, injury timetables are generally BS. Right. Uh, I know you've been beating that drum for the last couple of years, and there's countless examples this year, Michael Brantley. Um, so, but I'm going to be looking at it more for guys who could be coming up uh, from the minors and, and just try to have a little bit more of a focus on, okay, this scrub that's blocking him, he's probably not, he's probably not going to be the guy. And it's a balancing act, right? Cause I already mentioned, okay, VR was the guy who was starting. Arcia was the guy uh, who was coming up, but I didn't think VR was that much worse than Arcia, even in April. I'm talking about the guy where it's, where it's clearly a placeholder type and there's going to be somebody else coming up later. So I, I just, I'm trying to take a, the wider scope when especially when drafting reserves don't just draft the guy who's who's that 25th man because he's on a, on a roster right now if you know he's not really going to do anything take your gamble on somebody who could come up uh later and, and actually do something yeah so i really have two um you know one is going to be i still need to be more aggressive in free agents uh budging mm-hmm. i i left about that this year i yeah. left like 40 bucks on the table and a hundred dollar budget in the nl league i still finished second place but I, st- I left a ton of money. I could not spend the money. I kept getting out spent early. Then there was nothing to spend it on. Nothing really happened at the trade deadline. I could not spend the money. And, and that's habitually been a problem. I was I was holding on the money in ALT out this year, too. Got to mm-hmm. buy early. And then, you know, when you look at if guys have – it's really – and then you look at opportunity. If guys have a job, they really have to screw it up to lose it. Uh, example I'll get in and, and, or the, even if the better skills don't always win out. It's like Santiago Casilla. We spent a lot of time trashing him. Uh, we spent a lot I of that. Well, I was, I was, pimp, I was pimping Sergio Romo. That's mm-hmm. it. And, and we look at the final save total, Sergio Romo four, Santiago Casilla 31. Uh, you know, it, and it wasn't like it took Casilla five months to lose his job, but he finally lost it down the stretch, uh, and and that type of thing. So especially so with closers, that's, that's it's just one of these things where fine, we knew we knew that Romo had better skills um, than than Casilla. We knew Strickland had better skills than Casilla, but Casilla had the job, and that's the most important thing. Is you know half you know half the thing of being successful exactly. is showing up. You know, possession nine tenths. Yeah, that too. But showing up, being being successful is something. Just show up. That's a good first step, and that's what mm-hmm. uh, some of these things are doing. So it's really an opportunity thing, and like something like you mentioned uh, VR earlier, it just opened up because they traded away Segura. It's like, okay, kid, 
it's your job. Go do something with it. He's a 25 year old. And he who, did. Who they were yeah, and ready he, to give the job to. And he did. And he did something with it. And staying on that same team, Junior Guerra is a 32 year old who was like, hey, he, he come up great. and pitch. And he, he was, was great. great when he pitched. I mean, if, if Junior Guerra didn't draft anywhere, and you get a hundred, you get no. nine wins and a hundred strikeouts and great ratios. He was a four category pitcher when he pitched. Um, this well, year. that's probably and he one was of like, nothing. A draft I'm not day. saying you can jump on everything that 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 moves pitching wise and and assume it's going to hold but don't just wait for the other shoe to drop either and and think you know with somebody like that act and that goes back to your point about being aggressive on the waiver wire we probably would have said in april okay it's 31 year old guy uh journeyman type journeyman in the minors too not not journeyman in the majors he barely pitched four innings last year as his major league debut and then this was essentially uh junior gare's rookie year but there were some skills behind it. It looked good. And if you are uncertain about a guy like that, do anything you can to go watch some highlights. Because once I watched Guerra, I was convinced that he had some stuff to stick around. Yes. Maybe not at a 281 clip, but I thought he could be, hell, even a 381 guy. And in a lot of leagues, getting a guy like that was still going to be useful. And so that's what that's what lured me in on him. Once I saw him, I was like, ooh, that's a nasty splitter. There's some decent velo. I like what I see here. So, yeah, don't be afraid to, to act on some of those April and May guys, even though it looks like, okay, maybe the other shoe is going to drop on this. And if it does, it does. Right. But at least uh, you, you got to take more chances. And so I'm with you on that as well. I, I think I was better about that this year, taking gambles on my waiver wires, um, but, but also something that I'll continue to focus on. I, I feel really bad for you, though, because one of the things that you did focus on, one of your big – uh, you know, when we were talking about this at the beginning of the year, okay, what's what's something that you're changing this year? You focused on speed in the AL, and you got absolutely burned. It could not have worked worse for you. Fart noise. Yeah, that worked terribly. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I, uh, with the um, with the taking the chances, you know, it's, it's funny as we for those that play both fantasy football and fantasy baseball. And again, I am as casual about fantasy football as one can be. But it's absolutely. funny if somebody gets ten targets, we're throwing money on them. We're like we're trying to jump, and yep. and the people are like, oh, it's baseball; it's a longer season. But oh yeah, you know, after fifteen periods, you you know where you are at the middle of the point of the standings. If you're not in the top half, it's pretty tough to get up there uh, after that. So we, we we wait, we sit around, we sit around, and then you're holding all that money at the trade deadline. Like, Great, what do I have to spend it on again? Yeah, this year, I was well, at least trying like- to buy stuff. It just didn't happen. But we're, there, it seems like we're more willing to take chances on anybody who vultures a touchdown, uh, or if somebody tweaks an ankle, I'm gonna pounce on Jared uh, Jared. McC- Kinnon. Uh, obviously, this year it's a little easier because the guy in front of him really went down. Um, well, yeah, because the running backs are dying left and right. Everybody's uh, that's the way football's playing out. But everybody's just so aggressive there, and in baseball they're they're waiting back to see what's going to happen. It really if the opportunity uh, creates itself, go get it. Like you know, we, we were joking around about uh, Cool Whip a little while ago, or Cool Whip. But Chad Cool's been great. He got the opportunity to pitch, and he's done. He was good down the stretch uh, for the most part. Uh, and well, think about how obsessed yeah. we get anytime Pittsburgh acquires somebody, sure. right? So we probably should have treated their rookies similarly. And I, I did with Tyon. I was I was all over the, the Tyon train there. Didn't really think too much about Chad Cool, but he was he was an NL only asset. 420 ERA for 70 uh, and two thirds innings in the NL is useful. Absolutely. And so you, you got you gotta make moves um, if you're uncertain about a guy based on the numbers and, and we certainly aren't encouraging just box score scouting Again, if, even if you don't have MLB at bat, you can go to their MLB page, look up their name. There's going to be some videos there. 
you know, uh, they'll do, they'll give you like the, the, the three minute overview of a guy's start. You can get a feel for their stuff, right. at least kind of see what you're dealing with. If your eyes are, are better for it than, than just looking at the stats, but yeah, don't be, don't be afraid to act on things. And, and actually kind of going to that point earlier about the six month season, it is a six month season. So if it doesn't work in April, you can you can you can recover from it, right? Because there is so much time that if you are taking some chances that 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 kind of blow up in your face, you're not necessarily dead. There, we, we're hearing about some of these great comebacks in August and September. There's going to be some that'll pop up on Twitter where you're like, "Oh, I was dead last in July with th- th- three or four stars who were hurt, and I stormed back and won my league." Now, obviously, these are outliers. But they happen every year. And, I made and, up 18 they, points after the break. I was at 74 points. I finished at 92. That's huge. That's huge. And I don't know. For some reason, I think some it happens to me sometimes mentally too. I think okay, once we're in that, once we're at that All Star break period, it's like oh well, the season's almost over. Not really. Not really. Uh, because there is still so much time, and a lot of things can change. And so again, just 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 keep going. Big congrats to all those uh, all those industry league winners. A lot of our friends there doing good. And again, real huge congrats to to our very own Jeff Zimmerman on his mixed head to head title, the the inaugural uh, iteration of that draft. There, he really he really focused on on the rules. There are a lot of interesting rules there, and I'm not surprised that he had success though, because he really put his all into it in terms of thinking on how to best. Um, you know, this word has kind of a negative connotation, but like to best manipulate, to best work those rules to his advantage. I think he did a great job with it. So big ups to Jeff. Any final thoughts before we get out of here for the last regular season pod? Oh yeah, I do it every year, but uh, you'll have a link to this in the co- in this in this uh, show notes. But if you mm-hmm. if you did appreciate any of the terrible fantasy advice that we gave you this year, um, we know that the rule is usually spend one hundred percent of your fantasy winnings on your loved ones. Uh, I'm asking if you could spend at least one percent donating to the thing that uh, will be in the show notes. Uh, a very good friend of mine. Uh, we've talked we talked about this last year. They have about $100,000 of medical expenses uh, due to his pediatric cancer. The news is everything's good right now, and he looks like he's progressing out of it, but they're about $40,000 short in covering their medical expenses. Um, so if you would consider donating like 1% at least, um, I would be personally grateful. I'll be doing the same uh, tomorrow once I find out what my final, um, uh, final winnings are. I'll be donating a chunk mm-hmm. of mine as well. That's great. Yeah, Evan's Evan's Young Warrior Fund uh, information is there. It's something that you can look at again if it if it is a situation where you know you kind of want to show some appreciation. Uh, we we definitely appreciate the kind notes. Don't feel obligated, but if you if you throw a few few of your bucks from your winnings there, uh, that would certainly be appreciated. Jason, great season. Enjoyed it. Wish we would have had more success, but uh, it just gives us the drive, keeps us warm. That fire to succeed will keep us warm in the impending god awful winter. And yes, I I live in Texas and still complain about the winter. Uh, get used to so, it. Well, Jason, how are we going to talk? We'll talk next. Yeah, week? yeah. Uh, so maybe we can get folks what we're going to how the show format's going to adjust maybe a little bit here. Over over the next yeah. month um, because we're, well, we're, we like talking a lot of real baseball during this time of year. If you were with us last exactly. year, we did a lot of – sometimes we were recording while one of the playoff games were on uh, and we exactly. were doing so those we'll types talk, of things. Like playoff stuff and we'll always try to relate it back. You know, we'll be talking about players and as we kind of talk about them in the midst of the playoffs – it's still something that you can apply to fantasy. I think that, you know, first off, I think a lot of folks that listen to this show just like hearing us talk about baseball. So even though it's not necessarily going to be completely fantasy centric, 
We're not going anywhere. And then that's just for October. Once November flips, uh, we're, we're going to be in Arizona again, all three of us, me, you, and Eno. We're going to try to replicate uh, what we did last year, do a podcast on the field. That was so fun to do that with the batting round, uh, batting practice noise in the background. And, um, and then November, December, January, that's going to be prep. And we're going to be talking about, you know, how some of these players are shifting their values, how things are changing and, and, and set you up for hopefully another winning season next year. So, you know, there'll be some sporadic scheduling here and there. And I think I'll get with Eno to kind of let you guys know exactly how that's going to go. And you and I will have to skip some weekends. But the podcast does not go anywhere. We do not take the offseason. There is no offseason here as far as uh, as far as the podcast goes. Yeah, yeah. We don't like taking the offseason. Um, we do have – we are uh, one month away from First Pitch Arizona. Can't wait. Which is going to be awesome. And then I just see that yep. Eric Hutchinson retweeted the thing about Evans Warrior Fund on Twitter. So that's really cool. Uh, Hutch also won that's a league huge. title this year. I talked to him uh, – so he's got a new song. If you haven't heard uh, his new album, go to Spotify and look, uh, listen to Eric Hutchinson's new album. It's great. But he's got a song on there uh, called Dear Me, and he's got he wants people to submit videos uh, about you know like writing a note to your future self. And I was gonna I was gonna I, I texted him and said, Hey man, if you want to hold up a note that says I won't listen to Jason Collette's fantasy advice that does not pick up Gary Sanchez because he texted me like, Hey, do you think Sanchez and Austin are gonna get enough playing time? I'm like, I guess, but you know, no. say I really don't know what to expect from Sanchez. Uh, you know, he, he it's kind of a shallow league. He's got to dump somebody, and I said no. Well, he ended up ended up doing it anyhow, and, and so he's oh, winning okay, that good. league. And I was like, I'm oh, good because I was living with I was being riddled with guilt. Like, oh god, I, I cost Eric one of his league titles uh, because That's I told him to skip on for, uh, on Sanchez. Uh, but he's doing this. I got to do that video thing with my son this week because I was going to send in a clip. But I was, uh, yeah, he won a league title this year too. He's been playing uh, when he was in Charlotte last. Uh, he and I had lunch, and he told me he's been playing a home league for. Like since college, way back, just a long time, because I believe he went to school at Maryland, because that's where he's from. But yeah, he's oh, been cool. playing a long time home league, and he's got to squeeze in the auction around his tour schedule. Uh, so we got together a couple of days before his home draft, because he was in Charlotte doing a concert, and then he was heading back up uh, to do a show in the hometown, and then squeeze in his fantasy draft for the year. Must be nice to be a cool rock star. Good uh, schedule for him. Although right? I'm going to miss his Absolutely. next show next time he's in Charlotte's Halloween weekend, and I'm coming back from a wedding in Philly on uh, that uh, that night on uh, October 30th. He's coming back here to Charlotte. But if you're and coming through your town, later. check out his, his show. is really cool. I really enjoy his shows. A, f- a few days after that, we will be in Arizona. So. Yeah. All right, Jason, I'm going to let you go. Congrats on, on, a, on a quality regular season, and we will talk next week. All right, buddy. been frustrated trying to buy tickets online most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout 
That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. The baseball season is winding down, but we're about to have the two biggest months of the regular season. So you're definitely gonna be wanting tickets. If your team's in, con in, in contention, you might be making a decision kind of at the last minute. You know what, it's Tuesday night, let's go ahead and go. You jump on SeatGeek, and you're going to guarantee yourself the best prices, even with that sort of uh, game day type of buying as opposed to buying them in, in advance. And because SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets to a game or concert, that's, that's, that's kind of how I know. I, I actually use the product here. I have the app on my phone, and it, it's great. It's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full pr ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do to get that $20 rebate is download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R, and then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today.